Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Welcome back, you guys. Today, it's just me, and we are chatting about putting yourself at the center of your circle and about making this whole centered life model work for you and having all the parts and pieces work together so that you have a life that is the way you want it. And I want to address again, just because recently in the news, there's been a lot of stuff about self-help people and about, which I don't consider myself, honestly, you know, as a pediatrician, I just consider it like, what are the basics that will make it so that we thrive as humans? uh, As opposed to what are the things that are to make you rich or make you like have your dream life with the best house possible, like no worries at all, right? But there's been a lot of um, chatter and a lot of stuff about you know, um, what does self-help really mean? What does it mean to actually put yourself at the center? Is that selfish? What, what does that entail? And so I just want to take a second before we do this and, and back up to talk about, if you haven't been listening to the episodes before this, what does it actually mean to have a centered life? And just to remind you that in my world, in my scheme of what that means for you and for me, it doesn't mean that things are perfect day in and day out and that you're always happy and that everything always goes well in your family or in your life or in your job. It means that when things are going poorly or they are chaotic, that you have like a rock that you can hold on to inside yourself, that you feel like you're grounded, that you can come back, maybe not every single time, but over the long haul to a place where you feel secure and empowered within yourself to, for the things you can control, to feel like you're in more control of them and that you're actually responding to the things that life brings you as opposed to reacting and maybe making it worse. So just want to lay that framework. So today we're talking about putting yourself at the center. And I, I want to talk about why. Why would we even care about that? Why is that important? In the previous episodes where we talked about moving from conflicted to center, we talked about first addressing kind of what's your vision for your life? How do you want to feel? What are the things that are important to you? What are your priorities? What are your goals in your life emotionally and then also in tangible ways like professionally or personally? And then we talked about outside of the circle? What are the things that you have to take care of in your life, but that should not define you? Because they're usually things that don't really matter, you know, but they're day-to-day things that have to get done. And a lot of times they can take up your whole entire day, whole entire life. Meetings you don't need to go to, uh, appointments that have to happen, but sometimes can suck up the whole day. Laundry, dishes, cleaning, extra things that 
are required of you, like committee work from your job that maybe, you know, can be useful and helpful to the company sometimes, but can suck the life right out of you. So we talked about those things. But I want to talk today about you at the center. And the reason why is we all have to navigate within our lives day to day, moment to moment, where we're going to place our energy and efforts. And if we're going to be placing our energy and efforts on the things outside the circle, or if we're going to be placing our energy and efforts on our goals. And sometimes we do have to place our energy outside the circle. And sometimes actually that makes us feel good. at It's, it's calming. Today, I'm staring right now as I talk to you at a huge pile of laundry that is on my downstairs guest bedroom in my basement where I do these recordings so that way the sound is a little better. And it's going to get done today. I'm kind of excited about it. I like laundry when it's on my designated day that I have to do it, right? So there's nothing wrong with spending time and energy outside the circle. But the reason that it's not going to be creating inner conflict for me to do it is because I had a wonderful breakfast with my kids this morning. I took some time for myself to do some mindful self-compassion work with myself. I'm going to do some writing later for Modern Mommy Doc for my career goals that I have. And so now this is a perfect space for me to work on this thing that's outside the circle. So that helps you navigate like day to day where you're going to spend your time. And then also putting yourself at the center of the circle also also helps you navigate those tough decisions that you have to make that are about relationships, that are about tough moments with your kids, that are about who you want in your life, that you want who who you want to have invested in in your life, who you want to invest in, about how you're going to deal with tantrums that come up for your kids, times that are stressful financially. It gives you the ability to know and trust yourself well enough so that when those things come up, because they do for everybody, tough life decisions, in the moment decisions, big things, little things, that you are so sure of yourself that you can act with compassion toward yourself, that you can act with perspective about the situation, and that you can act from a place of feeling like you are worthy of standing up for. You're worthy of showing up for. And you can't do that until you actually are in tune with yourself. You can listen to yourself. You know yourself. You've made space for yourself. So there are a couple ways to do this. And I'm going to go like fluffy down to deep. So stay with me here. So the first is to just make space and time for yourself on the regular. If I had to put a number to it, I would say three times a week for like an hour where you just are regularly practicing you taking time away from other people or with other people, if that's your jam, to do things that bring you joy, make you content, reconnect with yourself. For me, that's usually exercise on a Peloton bike at this moment because, you know, we're in a pandemic and I'm usually listening to 
like hip hop music or to pop music to Bieber to Demi Lovato to Sean Mendes to all the like totally embarrassing guilty pleasure songs. And I'm bopping around and I'm singing at the top of my lungs while I'm riding on the exercise bike. And I'm just like feeling good, like feeling myself, feeling good, right? Or I'm dancing around with my kids in the kitchen and we're having a dance party. You know, that's another way that I connect with myself. Or I'm sitting reading a good book by myself. Or I'm taking time to go have a coffee with my friend outside distance right now or virtually tonight. My uh, nanny that I had for a super long time with my kids, we're going to meet up after the kids go to bed and, you know, share a bottle of wine virtually while we chat about our lives. So those are examples of things that I'm going to do because they feed me. And probably more importantly, they remind me of like what feels good in my body and when I feel good, what that feels like physically in my body. So that's, that's number one. And in our Mama Mindset Mondays, if you look on our highlight in Instagram, you can see we have a whole self-care assessment that you can do where you can go through and see like, okay, what type of activities are the ones that will actually bring me the joy that I'm seeking? What are the things that actually would drain me more? So you can, you can check that out. The second is taking care of the basics, right? Because the thing is, and I know it's so cheesy and that you've, you know, hear this maybe from your doctor, you see this everywhere, but it's true, right? Like you got to take care of the basics. If you are not sleeping, if you're not eating on a regular basis, and I'm not even going to like what you're eating, right? Cause I'm not like the diet person. So the, or like nutrition person. So this isn't about like you being skinny or you eating all of like the omega three blah, blahs, right? Like I, I care about that as a pediatrician for, for kids that they have a healthy weight and, and that they're getting nutritious foods and all the macronutrients and micronutrients and all that. But I just mean like you're sustaining yourself so you have energy. You're not running on low blood sugar, right? If you're doing that, you're not gonna be able to make good decisions and know yourself and be able to listen to yourself when your gut tells you like, this is going to just stress me out, or this is something that's not good for me, or this is something that's going to cause more problems for me or for my family. So you got to eat, you have to sleep. If you are not a new mom right now, and you were a mom years ago, months, new mom months ago, years ago, think back to the times when you were the most sleep deprived and how difficult it was for you to make appropriate decisions how you snapped at people, how more emotional you were. We know that sleep matters. Drinking enough water, having a schedule that makes it so that you are not running to and fro from every single activity. The other day, I recorded four podcasts in a row. And at the end of that, I had a migraine. I didn't eat enough. I was cranky with everybody. I was not the best person to be around. And I knew it was going to happen. Like I I knew that that was going to be the case at the end of it. And that's why that only happens in my life, like every once in a great while, because I kind of like prepped myself and actually even told my team before it happened as I was doing the podcast, like, you know, like pray for me. I'm going to be having like the world's worst day and I'm going to really, really need to just like 
sleep it off for like two days, which is not an effective way to live. We all do that every once in a while. I did it because I had to. So I'm not, you know, uh, in a mightier than thou position in terms of that, holier than thou. But man, I try not to live like that all the time because I know when I do, then I'm stressed out. I'm burnt out. I'm not able to actually listen to myself, to hear myself, to be connected to myself in moments where it matters. The next piece is understanding your own emotions and your own needs. And this is something that becomes a daily practice so that you know what to do in the moments and then eventually becomes like a moment to moment practice. So let me break this down for you. So my therapist, love her, um, taught me about this thing called morning stories. And this is not something that I own. This is a, um, this is from, uh, you know, an author who, who wrote about something called morning stories, um, called the author's way is the book. And basically it's writing down in freehand, like three journal pages worth of just how you're feeling, what's going on in that moment for you, what's happening in your brain. So it's not like a list of your to-dos. It's not a gratitude list. Those those can be helpful. A lot of research around the power of positivity. It's more just to like, this is how I feel. Huh, I wonder why. Like a free association exploration of how you are feeling in that moment. I know that sounds super woo-woo, but honestly, it's so powerful. Because when you do that for like, five, 10 minutes. If you could do it every morning, fantastic. I cannot. I do it like on Saturdays. I do it on Sundays. Now I've, I've learned to actually even do that type of thing, like in the shower where I sit there and just like, as the water is running over me for five, 10 minutes that I'm thinking about like, okay, what am I feeling? Huh? So I don't always even write it down, but I think uber powerful to write it down. And not to uh, write it on your phone, not to be texting it, not to be typing on your computer, just to be actually like with your hand connected to paper, writing it down. It's coming. Our new book will be here before you know it. The Working Mom Blueprint comes out May 11th, 2021. We hope you'll grab your copy. It's available for pre-order right now at amazon.com and it will be available May 11th wherever books are sold. And the thing that happens is that I see these themes of like, huh, I feel like this. This is the name to what's going on inside my body. The other thing I write down is like what that feeling is like in my body. What do, what does that show up as? So like anxiety for me shows up as this tightening in my throat or this tightness in my chest or like a buzzing in my ears. And so now I know whenever I have that feeling when I'm doing morning stories or just in my life that I'm like, oh, I'm anxious. Hmm. Okay, noted. When I'm angry, I like tighten my fists. I'm not going to punch anybody, but it's like a, it's like a natural reaction for me and my shoulders go up. So now when that happens, like when my kids are yelling at each other and I'm angry and it's been like time after time after time that they're yelling at each other, my shoulders go up, 
I can feel my, my fist clenching down, my fingers clenching down. And then I'm saying to myself, huh, you're really angry. That's like the first step in knowing yourself, right? It's just like naming the feelings. And if you guys uh, follow Big Little Feelings or if you know anything about um, emotion coaching from um, the Gottman Institute, they talk all about this for kids. This is something we're actually really, really good at with our kids. But we don't really think about it as much for ourselves. And I think this is something, you know, like I was never taught this as a kid. It's like my parents sat me down and were like, oh, what is that feeling that you're having? They were like, hey, stop hitting your brother, right? Not like, oh, you must be really angry. So I think we're getting a little bit more like woke as parents and as this generation of moms to be understanding what that is about, what our actions mean. But intentionally writing it down or spending time thinking about our feelings and recognizing them helps us then when we are in tricky moments. And then the next is about knowing yourself and placing yourself at the center is developing mindful self-compassion. And this is uh, Christopher uh, Garman and Kristen Neff who talk a ton about mindful self-compassion. They have a book about it. They have a workbook about it. You can go read about it. There are therapists that specialize in this, but man, has this been the most powerful thing in my entire life? So mindful self-compassion takes emotion coaching yourself, understanding your feelings and validating them one step further. So mindful self-compassion, I'm going to give you like the basics Cliff Notes version of it. And then you can read all about it because um, it goes so far beyond this. And it's something that honestly, I would invest time and money. I have invested time and money into learning more about and like having a solid foundation in this so you can use it in your daily life. So the basic principles though are the principle of understanding and recognizing your emotions. Okay, that morning stories is that piece of that, right? That you can start to do. The second is this like validation of your, of your emotions and kindness to your emotions and to yourself. And then there's a common humanity piece, which is I am not the only person that has this feeling like other people I'm sure would feel this way too. So let me break it down for you. So for example, my youngest daughter bit my oldest daughter on the back a couple weeks ago. Okay. I am a pediatrician and I would love to tell you that every single time that my kids act out that I am a perfect model of like good behavior toward them, <laughs> but I'm not always, but in this moment I was, and this is why, because, okay, I watched this play out. My oldest daughter had been messing with my youngest one. My oldest, who's like almost eight, had been taking my youngest daughter's toys. She has this little Playmobil set that's in her bedroom and she has it set up perfectly. And she took, went into my youngest daughter's room and took her little Playmobil dolls and brought them over to her room without asking. And she did it like five times. Like she entered my youngest daughter's room, took the dolls, went out to the other, into her room. Then went back in, grabbed more. Okay, so I could see 
my youngest daughter's emotions like just spiraling out of control as she watched her sister do this. Right. And I was running interference and that's a whole nother like podcast episode about the things that I was doing to try to make it so that this was stopping. But the point is my youngest daughter got real upset after this is like the third or fourth time that she had told her older sister, please don't do that to me and was not listened to. And she got into a fit of rage and she bit her sister. Okay. And so the feeling that comes to me in that moment is I am so angry. Of course, right? I am so angry. In fact, I'm full of rage at both of you, (laughs) at both of you, right? But also like at that exact moment at my youngest daughter, even though she was the one that was slighted in the beginning. Okay. So I'm full of rage because she bit her older sister and it left a mark, like a good mark. So my body, I go, okay, I can feel my fist tightening. I can feel my shoulders going up. I can feel my breath quickening. And I tell myself, I'm so angry. And then the next thing I do, validation, is I tell myself, that makes so much sense that you are angry. My gosh, this kid just bit this other kid. Your child was injured by someone. Doesn't matter the circumstances, you have an injured child. And as mama bear, your instincts are saying you are angry. That makes so much sense. Validating the feeling. And then common humanity. And this stuff is happening in a matter of like 10 seconds in my brain, 10 to 20 seconds. Common humanity. Anyone in this situation, any mom would be angry. I bet that there is a room of, you could fill a coliseum full of thousands and thousands of moms who, if this happened with their kids, would just be livid. The common humanity piece does a couple things. One, it gives me the space to have a little perspective that this is not, I'm not alone. This is not a situation that is only unique to me. Two, it takes the shame out of my response to the kids. Because when I remember that there are other moms who are feeling the exact same way that I do, it doesn't make me feel so bad that my kids are doing the behavior, first of all. It makes me think like, oh man, I could like play a movie of all the homes that this has happened in, or I could think about all the kids that came into my clinic. And B, it lets me know, it reminds me in my brain that other people have the exact same struggle that I do. Other people get filled with rage, that it's normal. It normalizes my experience. And then the third thing that the whole process does is this only takes 10 seconds, but it gives me a pause. So then I can like deal with my emotion in that moment and then say, okay, now what am I going to do? That's an example of my kids arguing, me getting upset with them. But there are plenty of other examples that happen in in life, um, as I'm making decisions about what to do. It comes up when I have a request for adding on more work in my in my day job as a pediatrician. Uh, yesterday, one of our therapists came to me. We, we work in a multidisciplinary clinic where we have um, really amazing 
PhD level child psychologists who work alongside us, and then also pediatricians all working together. And so the lead pediatrician or therapist came to me and said, Hey, Whitney, I just wanted to ask you about this anxiety project that we're piloting and we've already done it with another clinician and we're looking for someone else to do it. It's going to be surveys that you give to families and to moms specifically when they come in and it'll be, um, you know, another maybe like two or three minutes added on to your appointments. And um, we've worked out most of the kinks, but we're looking for someone else who can help to join on the team. And I could feel like a heaviness in my head <laughs> that came on. Like it was like someone was like covering my head with like a lead blanket or something like one of those weighted blankets or at the dentist when they put that on when you get the x-rays. Okay, like heaviness that came over me when she said it. Because I'm thinking like overwhelm, like, oh my gosh, I already have so many things on my plate that is going to tip the scales for me. So I feel that feeling. And then I'm able to say in my brain, huh, I am feeling overwhelmed thinking about that. And then I'm able to ask my brain quickly, like, huh, I wonder why that is. And then I'm able to go out back to my circle of my goals, of the things that are my center points, like we talked about in previous episodes. Again, go back if you haven't listened to that one to say, okay, does this project align with the center points that I have for my life? Does it fit in with what I am trying to do? The answer is no, it doesn't, right? It would just be something, it doesn't, it doesn't like on the surface. So it doesn't move me toward more credibility as an author. It doesn't enhance my relationship with my kids. It doesn't contribute to my mental health or to my physical health. All the things that are on my center points. Okay, is it outside of my circle? Yes, it is in the contaminator section, to be honest, right? It's in the section, again, go back, listen to the other episodes, that's about extra committees, extra things that could be on my plate. So if you were to go back like five years for me, 10 years ago, I would have said yes to her. Yes, of course, I'll be the next person. Absolutely. Because I, I would have felt overwhelmed, but I wouldn't have known that was the feeling because I wouldn't have been in tune with myself and able to listen to myself and recognize myself and know myself really well. I also wouldn't have had a framework to recognize like where to put that feeling and where to put that request within my life. I would have seen it as just like another request on top of everything, as opposed to where it actually belongs, which is right outside the circle in that contaminator section. And so I would have said yes, because I would have felt guilty and because I wouldn't have really had a good reason to say no, or like recognize the reason to say no. And because I didn't have a good reason to say no, or something I was saying yes to, It would have made it much more difficult, right? When you say no, just to say no versus being like, no, because I am saying yes to a bunch of other things in my life right now. 
And so I have to say, no, that feels so much better and is so much better because you're making like a really informed, grounded, responsive choice versus just a reactive, like, no, I'm not doing that. That feels bad. Okay. So I, I, so I said to her, you know, my initial reaction, my initial response, the initial thought that comes to my mind is that I want to say no, because I have a book coming out in a month that I'm working really hard at, at promoting and at talking about and at getting out there, the message out there to people that it's coming out. And because I don't want to take something on that's going to spread me too thin and kind of doesn't align with a bunch of things that I have uh, that, I, that I'm working on and that I'm trying to prioritize right now. I said, but you know, the thing is, working on anxiety with parents, improving the social emotional health of parents and addressing it so that that way we can have better social emotional health for kids really is, that is my jam. I do care about that. That does fit my overall mission. So, you know, it is on the outside. I'm thinking in my head, this is on the outside of my circle, but it's a little bit in in the inside of my circle too, because it's going to improve my knowledge base and make it so that overall my mission is, is, you know, uh, contributing to the overall wellness of, of moms, modern moms. So I told her, what I want you to do is actually come back to me in a month. I want you to go with someone else to be the first line person that you're working with here, but keep me on your list of people to come back to. And you guys, that decision was so freeing for me, right? I said, no, I stood up for myself. Not like she was like a bully, but like, I just mean like I showed up for myself. I stood up for the things that really matter to me. I didn't drain myself. I didn't overcommit myself. And at the same time, I left room for it maybe to fit within my framework a little bit later. That's so freeing. I felt so grounded. And when I made that decision, I did not feel like, oh man, I feel really guilty because I didn't help her out. I felt like, yeah, this all makes so much sense because I've been doing the work to try to know myself. So that's how this whole framework fits together. And that's what I mean when I say that you, that you create systems in your life where you practice getting, let's use the word intimate. That sounds weird, but it's, that's the word, right? Intimate with ourselves, intimate with our joy, intimate with the things that are like silly for us that make us laugh, intimate for, with our feelings, with all the bad stuff, able to recognize where we are, that we practice Having that mindful self-compassion, being kind to ourselves and being really curious with ourselves when, when things that are bad are happening, things that are stressful are happening, when there are decision points for us. As moms, we're so good at being like mean coaches to ourselves and be like, oh man, should have said yes, or yeah, I should have like been better with my kids. Instead, mindful self-compassion allows us to be like, huh, why is this happening for me? Do I need a drink of water? Do I need to eat? Do I need to go back to those basics we were talking about that are taking care of ourselves, right? And then you fit that within the framework that we've created for a centered life, for a centered life. And you use that to be your own navigational beacon. So you are able to then 
sometimes be outside the circle, sometimes be inside the circle, but always to feel like you have a North Star to come back to when things get chaotic in your mind and your body and in your life. I cannot promise you a perfect life and I would not want to because that would be a total lie that I could promise you like success and perfect happiness and perfect joy all the time. But what I can offer you, what the centered life is all about is having like a home within yourself, having a like protected space for yourself that you can always come back to and that you can trust finding your gut and being able to follow it. Until next time, you guys. Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Dog podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Dog. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.